Hey everybody, welcome back to the Jesse Nyberg podcast. Today I have on a really cool guest, Hannah Webb, talented painter, artist from Los Angeles. And she's uh, here today. We're recording later because one of my first local guests in a while. And how are you doing? Doing good. Yeah. So um, have mm-hmm. you always been based out here in Los Angeles? Uh, since I've been painting and and working professionally yeah i've i've been on the west coast um i grew up in the midwest and then i was living in orange county for some years but uh, i've been here in la since 2014. okay so yeah that's a while and then uh the midwest where were you at ohio ohio like uh, yep. city or like country more style uh i generally say like cincinnati area to people that are not that familiar with ohio but um somewhere in between i'm from a small college town in like southwest ohio okay so there's like a big university right there there is yeah yeah Yeah. so it's kind of right in between being it's a little town but it's um kind of surrounded by a lot of stuff going on yeah like it's it's what you'd expect from like being in the midwest is you know yeah, like if you just picture it in your mind, basically. A lot of cows, a lot of corn. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wild because like I've never, I've always lived in California, not not like LA proper, but this general area, and I'm always interested to see like how it would be growing up in other places because I've always grown up in somewhere that's so busy that I don't know how it is to like, like a lot of people that live out here, they ask me, when did you move to LA? And it's kind of like, oh, I always kind of was around here. That seems like most people's stories are they come here to, you know, like make it or whatever you want to call it. Make it totally. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think being from Ohio is cool. I think it was cool to, to grow up there and stuff, but um yeah, I mean, you know, as as somebody that's like just trying to make it in the art world, uh, it's you know, it, it's helpful to be in the general like area where a lot of this culture and stuff is happening. So yeah, it was yeah. a it was a good move for me for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, did you go to school anywhere? Or I did. I went to Laguna College of Art and Design uh, in Orange County. Actually, right. that was kind of the the big push for me to to move west. Yeah, that's pricey, right? <laughs> uh, in the grand scheme of art school at that time, not the worst. But yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's college, it's private school. So yeah, it was uh, it it was it was a decision. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it, whether that was kind of part of your success or not, it's paid off either way because you look like you're doing pretty well for yourself. And I wanted to ask you, like, what's kind of being like a working artist out here in L.A.? What's kind of like, can you walk me through um, your daily, like a daily day in the life, basically, of Hannah? Totally. Uh, well, so first thing to mention is that I have a day job. Uh, I have an like nine to five, nine to six job Monday through Friday. So that is a pretty big chunk of hours um, yeah. because everything is online right now with COVID. Spoiler. Right. Uh, this is um, it, it's changed my schedule a little bit because I don't have to rush out the door in the morning and I can make different use of things like my lunch breaks and yeah, kind of get nice. back to it earlier. But uh, yeah, I mean, generally I wake up early. I'm a morning person. Uh, I get up, I drink coffee, I 
prime panels or I varnish stuff or I package orders. I kind of do like general maintenance. That's I like do before emails. nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'll kind of get to work doing my day job stuff around lunch. Sometimes I'll run out to the post office or I'll, um, you know, deal with whatever is whatever I need to deal with. I, I always have a million projects going on. Yeah. So and it just depends what needs my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then evenings, I usually spend kind of out here in my in my studio here. Um, and I paint and uh, and actually do that then. Um, I can only ever really paint for like two, three hours, maybe four hours in a sitting anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like I would paint for eight hours if I weren't at my day job because, you know, somewhere between my style and whatever it takes out of my brain, I I just really wear out, you know, and I can't keep steady with my little Mm -hmm. perfect marks and stuff. If I, you know, if I do it for too long. So a few hours of painting, a lot of hours of everything else, kind of business maintenance stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. and the day job, it's, it's a lot. Your style, uh, it's so clean, like with the straight lines, I feel like I could imagine if you're really tired or you drink too much coffee or something, you would it'd get a lot more shaky after a while. Yeah, it has happened that I will accidentally like on a Sunday afternoon or something, I, I will drink too much coffee and start to paint and realize mm. that I, I can't right now and yeah. I have to wait so like an hour. Or <laughs> yeah, that's that's I, I'm actually surprised to hear, though, that you are still working at whatever your day job is, you could maybe talk about that real quick, but, um, cause you know, to the, I don't know, I guess to the common, the common folk or the public perception, it looks like you would be someone that would be considered like a full-time artist, you know, like all these followers and your works kind of, you know, people speak highly of it, but that just goes yeah. to show that that stuff's tough. Well, my feeling has been that I will do both as long as I can do mm-hmm. both. Um, I think that that is not going to last forever because my art stuff has grown year over year, which, you know, is great. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm a little too, I'm a little too pragmatic to ever feel comfortable, like, you know, abandoning a a, a nine to five job that I've worked up to, you know, I work at a school. So, um, you know, I feel strongly about that too. So it's, 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 it's hard. And I think that I, just kind of overwork myself and overcommit and do too much and, and have just sort of made it work. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a nice balance though, honestly, like it's, it's really nice to have that like routine, Mm -hmm. even if it does feel like it, you know, it cuts into my painting time or, or whatever, you know, but yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do both as long as I can handle both. And, and someday I maybe will not do both anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I have a similar feeling about it because I have a daytime job. It's also like as a designer, so it's not like, you know, it's something for and I could just do that if I wanted to. But, you know, freelance opportunities and just other external things, YouTube, the podcast and whatnot. I would like that, you know, to one day be its own uh, sustainable thing where the daytime job is like, well, if if I lost it, it, I'd be okay, you know, however, Mm it's nice having the extra money and it not just being a replacement, you know? So it's kind of hard to know when you, and it's not like I'm not making a ton from YouTube or anything yet, but freelance and whatnot, it's hard to know when or if that is even ever the right decision, you know, to quit the day job. 
For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I see it as, you know, I'm relatively young. I feel, I feel like if, if I'm able to kind of work my butt off now and make all of these things happen and, you know, put money in savings and sort of prepare myself, then I can do something riskier, you know, or, or to me riskier, um, and, and maybe do the painting thing a hundred percent. But I mean, I think it's, it's hard because what I'm doing is not, is not commercial, you know, like I'm not actually doing, I'm not working for, I'm not even freelancing really. What I'm doing is I'm like making paintings, like like a fine artist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like what, what the hell is that? So, <laughs> so I think it's harder to feel, um, to feel like secure in making mm-hmm. that choice, but I think it'll, I'll get over it. It'll probably eventually happen. <laughs> yeah. So does most of your, uh, that, that reminds me then, does most of your work come from you create it however you want and then it's bought later. You don't do a lot of commissions or like, uh, I saw you did some murals and stuff like that in the past, but most of it's yeah. uh, sold already finished things. Um, I, I would say it's a balance. I do, I do commission work, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to limit it honestly, because as much as I love painting other people's stuff, it doesn't give me the creative wiggle room that I feel like I want and need. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's some, it's some of that. And then I, in order to kind of, feel good about what I'm doing or, or produce work that I care about. Basically in order to not burn out, I need to keep up a personal art practice of things that are personally inspiring to me, you know, alongside. So it's always going to be some combination of stuff that I make. Like I don't feel like doing any work for anybody. So I'm going to paint. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's important to maintain that because even though, you know, sit down to paint is, is I guess the action in either case. Um, I still need it to feel like I need it to feel like my happy place. I need it to feel like my escape and and the place where I get to exercise my creativity, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so even if I do have a ton of client work, I'm always producing personal stuff because that's really the thing that I care about. Right. I mean, I I want to like try things and explore my own ideas and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I do an amount of client stuff, the painting commissions come and go, client things and murals and stuff kind of just pop up as they pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, personal stuff is just filling in all the gaps. Right. So you're not really like, you know, actively seeking like clients that often you're more just promoting kind of yourself as a brand and saying like, I sell these paintings that I like and I've already finished more, more so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, in a perfect world, I guess I would, only just do whatever I want all the time and then people would buy it. I mean, that wouldn't yeah. that be great. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, it, it is a fun, it's a fun challenge to try to paint something someone presents to you. Right. I mean, it is, yeah. it is fun to, to attack, you know, to attack a, an art challenge, a visual challenge, but um, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't do it a hundred percent. I'll, I'll lose my mind if, if all I paint are other people's ideas, I, I just yeah. I don't care, you know? And it's, um, especially as like, I feel like it's a little bit different, you know, coming from the design world versus, I I don't know, more fine art or painting. People are really coming and like, they have it thought out. They're like, I want this of my dog or blah, blah, blah. Design, um, if you have a good client, it's a lot more collaborative. You know, they want to, they want to know, what do you think? How do you think we should tackle this, this problem or this piece, whatever it may be? 
Yeah. It's a mix. I mean, when somebody like for a commission painting of a, let's say a dog, cause a lot of them are dogs. Uh, if yeah. somebody comes to me with an idea for a dog painting, it's usually on one side or the other of a spectrum of either here are five photos of my dog, do whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, make it cool. I don't know. Here you go. Make some, make something. Here's my address. Send it to me when you're done. Or mm-hmm. it's, this is my favorite photo of my dog. Here is a photo of my living room. It's going to be hanging in here. You can see the decoration, the color that like this wallpaper, these curtains, I really need it to fit in here. You know, yeah. so we're really looking for something like that. Uh, he's wearing a collar, but that's actually not his normal collar. So if you could shift the color to this and then change this and that, you know, so it's either yeah. like, go for it or it's like i i need you to produce this thing that i have you know exactly in my brain so yeah yeah that's that's funny it's pretty much one or the other i mean it's always nice though do you ever run into the issue because uh, i've talked about this with past people on the podcast you know um sometimes the people that say do whatever you want you do it and maybe they didn't want whatever you want and they're like wait i thought it would look more like this or something do you ever run yeah, into that <laughs> They don't always mean it. Uh, Honestly, I, I play it. I play it a little safe unless they specifically say like super. Yeah. Like, like go nuts, like super bright colors, caricature, like absolutely flip it upside down. I don't care. You know, those Mm -hmm. are the ones where I'm like, all right. And that's super fun. Cause then I can do really whatever I want. But yeah, sometimes if somebody says do anything, love your work, you know, full creative freedom. And I know they're hanging it in their living room. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I don't want it to like make your eyes bleed or something. You know, right. It needs to be, needs to be full fun, saturation like, on every color. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, it needs to be regular. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird to see like people don't, sometimes it takes the first, uh, like for me, it'll take the first round for them to really see what, what they thought that they wanted or whatever. But, um, when did you start kind of doing that? Like sharp edge, like very bright kind of, I don't even know like how to explain the style, but people will know it. I'll throw up a picture if they don't. Yeah. Uh, it sort of just developed over time. So mm-hmm. I've, I've sort of told this story a little before, but Um, I, when I finished art school, I was oil painting and, Mm -hmm. uh, was relying really heavily on blending. So like, you know, I didn't ever really need to think about colors because if this is blue and it turns yellow, then you just kind of smush it together in the middle and then you get what you get. Um, and my paintings were bad. They were all bad. Like I, I say this with, with no whatever they, they were objectively not good paintings. And I think that that's because I, there was a lot that I didn't bother to learn because I was leaning on the medium to fill in the gaps for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to transition to acrylics specifically because I wanted to prevent myself from mixing color. I, I decided or from blending color. Um, I decided right. that that was probably my biggest weak point. The thing that I thought was the biggest failure in my work, because I felt like I could drop pretty well, but I felt like I was coloring basically, right? Like rendering really poorly. So, um, so I switched to acrylic as a means to try to force myself to mix every intermediary color, right? Between everything. And I mix really small amounts that drive fast. So Mm -hmm. basically anytime you need a color, 
it's dry, make it again, right? Oh, I ran out of this, I need more of it, make it again. And Mm -hmm. that got me pretty sharp at color mixing and also acrylic, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to naturally blend most of the time. I mean, depending on your paint and all this, whatever, but, right. uh, so over time, I just kind of leaned into it. Uh, if you look back in time at my work, you can see it develop, but it went from like a bunch of like a ton of little small marks to, you know, to a bunch of kind of bigger overlapping kind of muddy marks. And and then as I got more confident and spent more time on it, um, I was getting more into like being efficient with my mark making. Mm-hmm. So, so now what they are is they're actually more simplistic with bigger marks that I think are more accurate right. that tell the story a little faster. So I think it's just, um, it's just developed and as I have kind of, as it, as it has sort of come out, just because I paint all the time, I paint every day and I have for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just, I ended up liking the effect. And when I decided that I wanted to lean into it, then I got to do other things where I got to play with the actual shapes of the marks. So then it's like, right. you know, okay, I'm painting a bird. Let's make it kind of feel triangular. Let's, let's try to figure out maybe how we can use, um, like trapezoidal shapes to, to sort of express this, you know, and like, how do you, how do you make geometry work on an organic thing and, you know, and let it still be a representational painting. It's not exactly abstract. Right. But, um, but it sort of tell tell that story in in a different way with with unique mark making. So mm-hmm. it just it just kind of evolved yeah. over time. Yeah, and it's uh that that's interesting to say to hear you talk about how you would start changing the shapes depending on the subject matter because at at first glance it mostly looks like squares and rectangular shapes exclusively almost right. And then as you're saying, the bigger shapes. Uh, you're working, let's say, like more efficiently, I guess is a way to put it. And but um, I guess if you look closer, you'll see like, you know, you got the some of the shapes cut off and they create parallelograms or whatever trapezoids or anything like that. Yeah, it's super nerdy. I'm I'm nerdy about this stuff, but uh, but I mean, you can make a triangle out of rectangles, right? Like yeah. I'm using a flat brush. And if you want to make I, I said bird, I'll say bird again. So if you want to make a bird and you want the the chest of it to be a triangular shape, mm-hmm. you can do that with rectangles, right? right? You just decide how you want that breakdown to be because when you back up, you know, what you see is you see the the big picture of the shapes, even though when you zoom in, they're they're pixely, you know. Right. But I don't know. Yeah, it is almost like um really large pixels that don't look bad like if you would blow up something that's pixelated it'd have that weird um you know blur to each edge but since you're painting acrylic it's traditionally like very flat and like bold and it's kind of a it's almost like a really cool version of like something you'd see out of like minecraft or something you know but like a little bit more abstract yeah yeah totally yeah I don't know. I, I'm happy with kind of where it's landed. I don't think I'll ever feel like my style has totally landed. And, and every year I feel like I'm making better work than the year before. So mm. honestly, you know, my, my portfolio looking forward is probably going to be stronger, you know, be, right. be different. I mean, things kind of shift. I, you know, you, you just let yourself 
kind of lean and try stuff and develop new habits mm-hmm. and, and preferences and let that come through. So I, I don't think that it's done developing. Right. Um, but yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. If 10 years, if it looks the same, then maybe you didn't know. Maybe it was done and it was solidified and it was yeah. good. But it's, it's interesting because <laughs> I feel like that's a common, you know, phenomenon from artists, designers, musicians. They, it's hard to look back and think like, oh, I've gotten better because you always think you're always trying your best, you know, so you're you think your work is the best it's going to be at that time because in your head it is right. But then you look back and you're like, damn, like I really wasn't that good. Like I can't believe I was even I've looked back at some of my early, early like work for clients and I was like, damn, like they use this, you know, <laughs> like this exists somewhere and. I wish I could do it now, but you it's always you're always going to get better. That's a good problem I guess to have. Yep. I think that that feeling as an artist is forever. I I look back at work I did yeah, a, a year ago, 2 years ago and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know. Uh. But I think I think that that's just what happens when you like when you care and when you focus on right. like learning, you know, like the more you learn inevitably you'll you'll find new ways to see your own work, of course, mm-hmm. and the work of people around you. So, um yeah, I I think I think if if that's not happening, then you're not progressing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> internally the problem, it's a problem, right? But externally, it's good. It's a solution. Like you're growing, you're getting better. But in your head, it's, you know, it can get, it can get uh, tough or whatever when you're just stressing about something and thinking, oh, because it's hard to tell growth um, every day, right? You know, so when you look back at it, though, you really see it. Um, speaking of like kind of where your styles came from, where do you draw like a lot of inspiration from in your painting? It could be from other artists, people, or just life, whatever. Um, I have kind of an art nerd answer on that too. Uh, I would say that I am inspired by, uh, by, by color and mm-hmm. by, like, you know, natural things and sort of how color exists in, in the natural world. Usually when I'm painting something from myself, the, the thing that makes me want to do it is because, is because my idea that I have is either how can I express these two colors together in this dynamic way, or, or I'll see something, a, a photo of something and think, wow, what an interesting way that that palette is separated. The, the balance between, the tones and stuff. I wonder if I can capture that profile in something else and then I'll find something to apply that process to. So I, I look at a lot of, um, I look at a lot of like nature photography and stuff, you know, I, I paint a lot of animals. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll look at photos of things, bugs, birds, whatever, you know, random stuff. And then, uh, and then when I have an idea, it's the idea usually starts from the color side. Um, occasionally I, and like when I'm talking about like teaching somebody how to paint like this, and I've tried to do, um, like little demos and stuff before, uh, those I, I go the other direction. I'll, I'll start with an image and then decide how to break it down and represent it as a painting. But with my personal work, I start with the idea of a palette and then figure Mm. out what subject I could try to apply it to, you know, and then I'll use black and white photo of something and I will paint it in, you know, maybe 
orange, blue, brown, you know, as, right. as a, and, um, and try to try to do that. So like how you yeah, translate I'm, the black and white values into like the blue, the darker blues or oranges or right. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that those are the ideas that kind of get me excited. Um, you know, I'll, I'll think about, uh, think about color profiles, think about that kind of stuff. Um, and then that usually inspires me to try something. I, I feel like my strongest work is the work that is the most, um, dynamic color wise. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that is, uh, the thing I'm always trying to chip away at. I I'm always trying to figure it out better. Yeah. Uh, and I think it takes, a lifetime to, to figure out color. Color mm -hmm. is, uh, is really hard. <laughs> yeah. I've even with when I'm working on something, uh, when you get a color limitation, it's almost like a weight lifted off your shoulders rather than like a limitation, you know, <laughs> cause it's like, well, I got to make it work with this. So I don't have to even think about it. It's crazy right. though, to hear that you, you look, uh, it's almost like you walk around and you look at the world as like as swatches, you know, <laughs> like just little squares of color, like those totally. apps where you take a picture of it and it creates like all the little squares, but you're just doing that in your brain. That's cheating. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, you're doing yeah, it so old I, school. I actively do that though. Um, you know, I like the way that, that color out just outside in the yard shifts first mm -hmm. thing in the morning, you know, early evening, the way that different colored light hits the colored object is really interesting to me. Like orange light on a blue fence is something that, that is, that is just an example. Right. But like, but how do you, how do you paint that? How do you capture that? Right. If you mix orange and blue with brown and it doesn't look brown. So, mm -hmm what is orangish blue? You know, how, how do you figure out how to represent that? And, uh, that's something that's, that's like a forever challenge for me and is always interesting. That's why I feel like, um, obviously different from your work, but those people that do like hyper realism, especially with color, it almost people say like, how come it looks more real than a photo or something? And it's because we can create more colors than maybe not now with the technology, but then at, at a lot of the times in history, then the sensor could create in like a photo, you know, you're limited to like 256 colors or whatever it is. And if you're, if you're creating them all with paint or ink, you pretty much unlimited as long as you can mix them. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's, it's hard to explain. And like, I've tried to say this to people that look at me like I'm too crazy or like totally wasting my time on this, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that's, that's kind of my main thing. My phone is full of little photos I take of stuff or screenshots mm -hmm. I see of things that are not like, not like a sunset, like, wow, colors, you know, but like a picture of a, teapot or something that yeah. I think has a good color shift in its reflection or, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> so you just save them all in your phone in a little folder and have them ready to go for when you get yeah. back to the studio pretty much. Yeah. Pretty that's much. cool. Um, what, uh, what's your favorite subject matter? Cause I know you said you do, uh, what was it? You birds and stuff a lot. So, or animals, I guess, but yeah. Um, it depends. I think when I, when I want to do something a little easier, I'll do like, mm -hmm. like a skull or something, you know, just because they're really plain centric, really plainer. And that makes it easy just to focus on value and, and shapes. Yeah. Uh, so I do a fair amount of those. Um, I paint a lot of eyes 
uh, yeah. which I think are a fun challenge because it is the, the collision of hard and soft. So like the, mm. the wetness and softness of your eyeball against, you know, sort of the structure of your eyelids and everything around mm. it. Um, that I think is fun to try to capture with rectangles, right. With like rectangular marks, right. how do you show soft and wet right next to hard? If all that you're using are like long cornered off shapes. Right. So it's such an organic, uh, shape too, or like thing to make into yeah. rectangles. Yeah. But you have a lot of freedom there. So, I mean, that, that one's fun. I do those a lot. I mean, I, I like uh, kind of close-ups on, on body parts and things for that reason. You know, I've painted some mouths and stuff. That's you did always that whole fun. series, right. Of the eyes. That's like kind of Illuminati, like referenced and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got a lot of DMS from people asking to join the Illuminati actually when I was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> they're like we got to hang this up at the headquarters this is perfect they're like Finally. are you are you in are you in the illuminati how do i join like all cryptic like I, yeah they're like yeah, how, like, how, how, oh you got you in how'd you get in how'd you get the drop uh wire me five hundred dollars i will send you your membership card yeah and just paint it print <laughs> it out fake id style yeah, that I mean, that's like people online, you know, you never know what's going to happen with and I imagine as you get more and more of a presence, like more and more strange inquiries from people. I get every, every message in the spectrum of messages. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that that is one of you know, you, you, you need to be positive about that sort of thing. Like, you know, the more, the more people are on your page or the more likes or comments you get, the odds are that you will get more that are like, not nice. Right. Just right. statistically. Yeah. So um, like people feel comfortable saying things like, like, I don't like this person's work, you know? And like, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't care whatever, but like, this this is on my page like, right. like who are you talking to you know yeah like uh the poster is not the creator of the stuff or something but um yeah yeah, yeah. it's weird like people, uh, pe people online it's it's they're so quick to offer um unsolicited criticism you know it's like it's a difference if you're like hey trying to improve this thing what do you think about this shape or this color but people you'll show something that's done. It's not like you're going to go back and change it anyway. And someone says, should he use red? And you're like, Oh, you're the person, you're the artist now, I guess. So like, great. You, you do it. You make one, make it red. <laughs> yeah. Is that one of the, yeah. um, like, is that one of your, I guess, like favorite things you've done then the eyeball kind of series? Um, I don't know. I think I, I just have a lot of freedom and flexibility with that. So mm -hmm. I, I did a series for a solo show I had, um, in LA a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, so I like dug really into making a whole bunch of them at once, but at this point it's, it's 
sort of like I was saying about a skull, right? Like the the shapes are decided enough that I think you can you can experiment in other ways mm. and sort of use it as a frame um, for your painting. And because everyone I think agrees on how the actual thing should look already, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of do whatever. So I uh, I work with Trickell Art Supplies and they make all kinds of really strange shaped panels and things. So um, yeah. they send me funky shapes and I like to try to fit stuff on them. And sometimes an eye is kind of a cool thing because it can eat. I mean, honestly, you can make it most most shapes and it is yeah. still generally legible as the thing that it's supposed to be. Um, so it's just kind of a, a nice solution to a composition challenge. And I'm kind of mm-hmm. interested in that too. So I was going to ask you about that. Um, is your approach to painting on like, you mostly paint on wood, right? Is that mm-hmm. um, different from the way you approach like a canvas? And also I thought you were maybe cutting out some of these shapes like to fit the thing, but you're, you're almost using the canvas to drive like what the, what the thing is going to be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not cutting these out now. Yeah. I I just, I end up with shapes and then I try to figure out what to do on it. Um, I have a project coming up actually that I really need to get on. Uh, I'm painting also a, uh, a guitar body, but it's like mm. a flying V shape. Yeah, uh, those are cool. So, I mean, sometimes you you just have a shape and you have to figure out like what cool thing can I fit on here, like you know, and and go that way. But um, yeah, I I always paint on wood. I never paint on canvas. I cannot stand canvas. Since uh, pretty much since anyone would have known, you've been painting on wood. Yeah. Uh, I. Canvas texture makes me crazy. Because um, your style you know, is so smooth, right? And then the 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 grit shows through, or whatever you want yeah, to call it. Yeah, I just I don't love the look anyway. Like even if I could get my marks as clean as I want them, which I kind of can't on canvas, or there it just takes too long. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I could, I don't like seeing canvas texture through a piece yeah. of artwork. In general, I, I I just that's a personal preference thing. I just don't like the look. Yeah, and it's interesting because other people like that's like that's something they want to preserve when they're when they're doing it, you know. But yep. I guess you would have to get it pretty thick on the canvas to cover up any of the texture showing through, and that might hinder yeah. your ability to do it right the kind of the first time, the first go at right. it. My paint is super thin, actually. So mm-hmm. if you were to hold one of my paintings at an angle, you can see that there's there's not there's not much weight on it because yeah. super thin paint is how I get like super flat even marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and on canvas, it would just it would I wouldn't be able to execute the same way. So yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of of that, do, what kind of paint do you use? Oh my god, and materials. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me this question. Yeah. Uh, so this is like the world's worst question. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, um, it, I, I would say that I get asked what brush is that? What yeah. paint is that? What panel is that? Every time I post anything, I get that comment uh, anywhere from like five to 40 times, yeah. uh, especially if it's on a video. Um, those just seem to get comments from the internet. My materials are in my hashtags, in the caption, mm-hmm. on my website, and in a permanent story on my yep. page <laughs> on Instagram. Nobody sees it. I, I, I can't 
spend all day answering it. Like if my phone yeah. blinks every hour and it's somebody saying, what pain is that? I, I can't, I just can't answer. You wouldn't every- be able to paint anymore. You'd just be a it's social media manager. <laughs> yeah. People message me all the time. Hey, uh, Hey, just wondering if you can tell me what paint you're using. I, like I, I appreciate that you are inspired by whatever and you, you want to like, that's great. But I bet if you tried to figure this out, you could, you would be able to, the information yeah. is everywhere. Um, the other big part of that is the, is the disclaimer that would need to go along with it, which is that it ain't the paint. Yeah. It's not the brush. It's not the paint. You heard it here. It's not. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I would say I use better paint than like dollar store craft paint, but the paint does not come out ready to apply the way I apply it. It it's, it's not the paint. I use four different kinds of acrylic. I use a world of different brushes. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just not that like it, I tell people what I use. I, that information is very public. Yeah. Because it's not, it's really not a secret. I mean, like truly anyone could go buy most paint and make, do the mark making that I'm making if you were, if you were committed to doing it, but the paint isn't going to do it for you. And, you know, uh, you, you just, you need a professional acrylic paint, a, a real good acrylic paint. There are lots of them. Um, I've had people that, so I'll, I'll say like, oh, the, for this piece, I used Liquitex paint, whatever. Mm-hmm. I've had people message me upset because the paint didn't work the way that they thought that it would. And I'm like. That's why it's not the paint. Yeah. I mean, not, sorry. <laughs> I kind of wanted you to be able to, we were speaking about this a little bit before I wanted you to be able to say this, not because. In my defense, I saw the highlight on the page and I assumed, and I, if you want to check out actual questions uh, that will go a little bit more depth, you can check out the Patreon, the Q&A after, but I wanted, I got a lot of questions from the community. I said, what would you want to ask her? And three, four, five, at least said, what kind of paint and what kind of brushes? And I just thought I felt the secondhand like frustration for you because I said, damn, it's on her. It's like the only thing you can click on on her thing that like moves and stuff. So other than the stories, it's right there. So it's pretty easy. I just, yeah, I I don't, I, I can't handle the volume of this question online. And I just, I will not want, to log in and share my work. If I feel like I just constantly am telling people my pain, I, I'm not, I'm not an mm-hmm. art store. I just, I, I'm a, I'm a person that likes to make art and I like to share my art, you know, yeah. and I just, I can't, I, I appreciate being a resource for people. And I try to be in a way that I think is reasonable, but I just, I can't, I just can't do this all day. Yeah. Do you get a lot of stuff um, like sent or gifted or sponsored or whatever to you in terms of like supplies? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. A fair amount here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stuff that you were already, but I feel like that's the thing about uh, getting stuff. Like it's cool when it's, when it's cool, you know, because sometimes you're like, well, I already have my thing. So it's like, I'm not going to even deal like use this, but. I, I don't accept uh, that from anyone whose materials I don't use anyway. So uh, the only exception, 
Yeah. The the only exception to that is like um, a a paint brand was sponsoring a group show that I was in mm. and they're like, hey, we'd like to send you some stuff as a sponsor, you know, if you want to try it out. So, yeah. you know, sure. So if you send me a sampler, sure. And, but I'm, I'm not going to post it if I don't like it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to share this for you. I'm not going to recommend it to people if it if I don't feel strongly about it personally. Yeah. Um, and then they're fine with it. But like Liquid Texas sent me paint, but I've been using them for years, you know, like Trickel. That, 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 that feels good, though, because you're like, I was going to buy it anyway. Now I get it for free, you know. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, uh, yeah, same with same with Trickel. I mean, I've used their panels much longer than I've been working with them. And so. those are the ones you say can get you like the different shapes and everything too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're they're really solid, like well made, perfectly sanded, smooth. beautifully smooth. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that 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 makes a lot more sense. Because I was out like like I said before, I was thinking like, damn, she puts in the extra work because she has to create these shapes too and sand it, smooth it all out. But that makes more sense considering you said you only paint like a few hours a day. You wouldn't have time to cut out triangles and whatnot. Uh, no, and I don't know. I I'm just not. I'm not interested. In, <laughs> yeah. In like with a jigsaw in my backyard, like trying to cut shapes out. Um, no, I I'll let I will let Trickel do that and then I will paint on their beautiful panels that are already made and yeah. That's your um your style I feel like um from cuz from what I've seen it uh I think would cater well, you know, to things like in the digital realm and like vector and things. Have you ever messed with any of that stuff or done like illustrator or anything? Yes. Uh, I, I trace out my, some stuff that I make if I'm going to make something out of it. So like whenever I do uh, like embroidered patches or I do enamel pins and stuff, I always do a vector version mm -hmm. of something. Usually I paint it first and then I, I make a vector from there and then mm. that's what I will make product stuff with. So, um, yeah. yeah I, so it's scalable uh, I also, and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 And also just cleaner, you know, cause mm. if I don't know, um, I feel like sometimes I make too many little marks and stuff that wouldn't translate well to like to a t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you just um, go in and pen tool it basically and get it all kind of vectorized and ready to go. <laughs> Yeah. And the way that I do that, I, I mean, I've, you know, I, I have used Adobe stuff for a long time and, and, uh, I know that it's not the most efficient way to do it, but yeah, I, I manually trace out my shapes because I end up moving them around a little bit yeah. as I go and, and sort of adjusting how I want my overlap. So it's always based on something that starts as a painting but then i kind of i i edit and shift and change shapes around when i trace yeah. it so yeah, i'm like pen tool tracing whenever i do that i like that you so. said that though it's not it is not the most efficient however it is the most effective you know it, it gets think. you because uh, i noticed a lot of people like no no shade i don't know how to paint but people that come from traditional things a lot of times they'll do their drawings and then they just like image trace or whatever you know and that works but your shit better be perfect when you do the image trace because it's going to be hard to go in and fix all those crazy acre points it creates and stuff yeah and i you know i don't know i it's funny because i am so committed to having perfect rectangles and stuff you mm -hmm. know that that honestly, like I'll just, I'll, I would rather just place the corners <laughs> where yeah. I exactly want them to go. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so yeah, it it's, it's a little tedious, but I think that I get the best effect out of it by doing it that way. So, yeah. Um, is that pretty yeah. good for you? Like, um, selling like the, uh, I guess merch or, or whatever kind of stuff like that, other than just your commissioned or pieces or just prints. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of think it's fun. Uh, I think that I started doing that because I realized that a lot of people that are interested in art are not art buyers and Mm. that's not a fault of theirs, but some people like really love somebody's work, but like, they're not going to hang a print on the wall. They're not going to like invest in an original painting. So how do you make your work accessible to people that don't like buy art, you know? And yeah. I think that has been kind of a cool way to connect with people that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I started making scarves recently, like silk scarves. Yeah, I saw that you, they sold out right today or recently. <laughs> yeah. Today's are gone. Um, yeah. That's but, quick. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, well, there's 75 more of them coming at some point over the <laughs> Are summer. Are those kind of like the uh, ones that, that just go up like that, like the face mask type things? Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, um, I I just kind of wear them like a, like a, it's sort of like bandana size. Right, so like okay. Kind of Big square. Around, yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you do all um, the distribution and stuff like yourself? Or do you use like one of those, like whatever you, they do, print to order or whatever? No. I do it. Uh, your margins are better when you do it yourself, but, uh, no, I I just, I order whenever I make a thing, I just order it in bulk. And then I usually create my own packaging, um, and like package everything and sit in front of the TV and package 200 pins or something, you know, or whatever. Uh, you just take it all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not, that's an understatement. Just saying the margins are better. It's like a lot. Like the only reason you should be doing the, in my mind, the like print to order is if you're insecure about you're going to sell it or not. But if you've already tried and true and know that I can order a hundred and I can sell a hundred, definitely do it that way. Cause the print to order, they're like, oh, this costs 10. We take $9 and 50 cents or $8. You get $1 minus the tax and everything. I mean, like society six and some of those Mm. websites, like, you know, it's, it's a cool place to start because it's so low effort on, on the artist side. There's no risk. That's why there's no reward. Right. Yes, exactly. But if you sell, like you sell a 24 by 36 print of something you made, you get like $4. Yeah. And then they, (laughs) the the person still has to assume that they paid a lot for it, but you're not even getting like, it's like, damn, I'm charging so much, but I'm getting nothing. That's why I like, I don't do a lot of, um, like prints and things, but when I do, it'll be for a specific thing. And I kind of gauge it before get like some pre-orders, figure out what I'm going to do with it. That way I can kind of order them in bulk, get them to like my friends and whoever, uh, customers. And it's not like you're not getting wrecked by a society six or print full or whatever you're using. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I could do things like that, but then my stuff would be more expensive and I, don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can, I can sell stuff for under $10 this way, but if I were producing things a single unit at a time, I like, I, I would have to list them for twice as much just even just to pay the overhead on production. So, and then you can't quality control it yourself. You know, that's like the most Mm -hmm. thing for me that makes me feel weird because I wouldn't, 
I I'm always insecure whether it's uh, just a client in design that's not a print, art, print, stickers. I'm always uh, insecure about the fact that like I wanted them to be like happy with it, right? I don't want the quality to like the design can be good, but if it comes and the sticker's like in half or something, it's like that's a bummer because it's not like you just want to make money. You want the person to enjoy it and be proud of it and show people and be like, like how cool Hannah's stickers are or whatever, you know, or her prints, not damn, I like her, but it came ripped in half, you know? I mean, my work is so color centric that like if things are printing wrong or like it, oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a big deal, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that ruins whatever it is that I have made. So, I mean, I had kind of a, nightmare experience with a skateboard producer, uh, last year or so. And I picked up 50 boards and, uh, like 20 of them were badly misprinted, like colors, colors, probably 20 to 30% off of, of value that they should like, like really, really bad. Like when you upload Um, a CMYK thing to like the internet, it makes it look all like weird RGB. Well, the the issue is that they didn't match each other. Like 30 out of 50 were printed great, but then 20 of them printed wrong Mm, and they didn't care. They they just gave me all 50 and they're like, here you go. I'm like, like 20 is printed wrong. And they're like, yeah, there might be, there might be some shifts. Some blemishes. (laughs) Well, I can't (laughs) use that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, if I had trusted that company to send stuff straight to my clients or straight to my buyers. I mean, then people would have gotten like expensive, ugly crap. I, you know, yeah. I, I can't put my name on it and feel good about yeah, it. You so. would have, um, if you were doing like uh print to order boards through some website, you wouldn't even have known that they were bad. And the, the one thing I always think about is what if no one tells me that it was bad and they just think never ordering again, it was bad. And you don't even know that there's a issue or problem that needs to be fixed right and then you're just like thinking Uh, ignorance is bliss like yeah everything's good uh, but people are getting shit that's 30 percent off or whatever and they're so expensive to ship like if there were returns like if there was i mean it would just Mm -hmm. if if i had handled if i had ordered differently i would have been in a nightmare situation so yeah i i just i need everything comes to me I package it myself. I number hand sign things if it's limited edition. Um, and then I send them out myself. So it's all yeah, with love. Yeah. The old fashioned way. That's cool. <laughs> love and, and control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, yeah. Cause they don't, the QC team at, at society six, they don't check for love. They only check for <laughs> size, but yeah. do you, um, is you said in the studio, do you just work in as like a home studio or do you have a external like building or anything like that? Uh, well, somewhere in between there. So I have an external, this room, uh, and it, oh, my see. house is right there. So it's, um, yeah, it, I, it's basically a converted garage area. Uh, like that looks the, cool. I thought it was your living room or something. Yeah, no, uh, it's drywalled over where the garage door used to be and there's flooring and stuff. So it's oh, like, nice. it is it is not a garage at all anymore, but it used to be like a detached from the house garage that I've turned into a full-on studio space. Does the door just go right into the house or is there like outside in between? Outside. That's cool because I feel like um, not only having like a separate area, but actually having that disconnect like physically and... Um, 
I guess emotionally or metaphorically, however you want to put it, helps because I sometimes do leisure or things that I want to just have like fun on at my desk and with my computers and whatnot. And I always find myself not being able to just do it. Like I'll start like working on something or replying to someone and I'm like, damn it, I was supposed to be relaxing. And then I get, and then it gets real late and I'm like, I didn't even relax tonight. All I did was work. (laughs) All the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's very familiar. Uh, No, it it is. It's nice to have kind of a separate space. This is the first time I think I've ever had a separate space. Um, I've always just worked out of like off of a little Ikea desk in a, in my apartment. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, my entire production of everything uh, only a couple years ago was in a studio apartment. So it was like my desk, my bed and a fridge, you know? Um, And that is fine too. I mean, most of what I do is just on my desk space. I I generally paint small enough that I'm, I'm comfortable kind of sitting. I was going to say your scale uh, must not be crazy to where it can go flat on a desk like that or an Ikea desk. Yeah. it depends. Like I do, I do some things that are Is that on the larger there. end, that green one? Uh, yeah. 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 But I would, the majority of the things I do are probably 12 inches and smaller. So mm-hmm. like yay and down, um, you know, I do cause I, color studies and stuff. Those are usually smaller. Cause I just kind of yeah. like bust through them and you know, it also looks cool when you're doing like the stuff on with uh, like reels or any of that like uh, time lapse stuff because it's all kind of in the in the frame and you're getting each little like I feel like your style really caters to that um, that medium like stroke here little shape here big reveal at the end you know like it's oh a man formula. that's that's a TikTok is teaching me how to edit videos a little better I think um, yeah. just seeing what other artists and stuff are doing. Cause I don't know if, I, I don't know if you're a TikTok person, but uh, I, I try, we, I have a couple that have done well, but I don't consume a lot of the TikTok myself. Yeah. I, I think once the algorithm catches up, like I get, I just see a ton of art stuff and like, mm-hmm. you know, stupid stuff and comedians and whatever. Right. But, um, uh, but the art stuff, I feel like you, you can learn a lot from seeing successful art videos and it has inspired me to change up the way I've been recording stuff. Um, Mostly I've been slowing down. So I used to just do like one top down time lapse uh, that would just run for the entire production of a painting front to back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, and I don't know, that that's kind of fun. It's a little kitschy because it's like, da, 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 you know, here it is all in right. one. Uh, but I think that one of the things that people like to see is actually a little slower. You know, like I think that they mm-hmm. like to see the Less, actual. but more detailed segments, right? Yeah. Like to really see the mark making mm-hmm. instead of just like the growth of the painting. It's, it's more about Especially like. Especially when it's like, and you just see your hand like, and you get up and grab water or whatever and keep going. yeah yeah yeah. so it's like that slow stuff is um it people are the with tiktok reels all this and the way that media is consumed like people you got to get them quick you know if it's if they don't like the first three seconds and you're not going to get them to stay for even the next 10 and so you better not make it longer than 20 seconds either you know because they'll be swiping away I mean, I've learned a lot from my own social media habits, right? I mean, I, I think mm. that that's one of the ways that you get better at social media is you you 
pay attention to the trends and you pay attention to your own behavior because yeah. I admit like if I'm on TikTok or something and I'm not grabbed in X amount of time, I skip it. Right. So like, right. what is that window for me? You know, psychologically, mm-hmm. how long does someone have to hold, to, to capture my attention enough to hold it like that right. extra seconds? Um, and, and that's coming from you're you're a artist yourself, so you would think you even have a higher threshold of like the sympathy. Like I'll just see what happens. And even as, like I feel that way. I sometimes I think, oh, I know that if it's someone that's like my friend, like this is gonna punish them if I just go away real quick and like the algorithm or whatever. So I wait it out and see. But yeah, like <laughs> you learn from your own, uh, like just like yeah habits like you said like would i watch this whole thing if you wouldn't watch it then you can't expect it to you can't be sad when it doesn't perform you know right yeah yep i mean and you know i i of course want to not hurt anyone with the algorithm stuff too that's very (laughs) true but um but at the same time like i don't know i have the same monkey brain that everyone has you know yeah. and i'm like no nope not you know give me the entertainment i want there's and I'll this just one guy that i really like uh you know you would you'll know him uh you probably have i think you had him in your story but the um hand her for hand painted or whatever i yeah i commissioned a piece from him yeah i mean that stuff's so good to watch, you know, with the, when he has the little like thing like that, you know, it's just so like, I don't know, like just his, his style too, like caters to you to want to see the whole thing. Like he has a good, good brand or whatever you want to call it. It's very Zen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's like, it's, it's the visual ASMR stuff, right? Like you could, you mm-hmm. just, you watch, you watch the little perfect outline right. of black paint and you're just like, Everything he does is like a font too. It's so perfect. It's insane. And like I've, you know, when I've done my own lettering and stuff, you get to the edge and you start to come off and he always plans it out so perfectly, even though it's like 12 characters and he has to fit each one on the same line and they don't, they all stay the same size and everything. He doesn't uh, compromise the integrity of the letters. The piece I have from him is like, is, is very sharp and very impressive, but Mm. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's someone like I like to follow people that um, do stuff that I can't do at all, because when you see the same things you do, it starts to feel like weird and like an echo chamber, you know, of just like the same style. But I like I don't do a lot of illustration and like hand um, lettering. So I like to watch that stuff because it's like it's just you don't have to look at it and compare it to yourself. You know that it's just its own lane and you can just enjoy it for what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I, I have a pretty wide range of, of different stuff on online and, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, it's good. I think it's good to, to participate in communities that are outside of your own, you know, especially right. like with art stuff. So definitely. Cause it's easy to get, um, yeah, like the hive mind like stuff or whatever. It's easy to get into that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think if I, if I only followed representational painters forever too, I think I would be. Yeah. Well, um, that was kind of a weird way to end it, but I really enjoyed talking to you and I appreciate that. And I do want you to uh plug anything that you have say your instagram name correctly again for me and let people know where they can get anything from you check out your work all that yeah uh well 
Theo Banoth. Uh, I, I say <laughs> Theo Banoth, but enough people yeah. say Theo Banoth that I may as well just change it. Yeah. Um, that my my handle on everything is the same everywhere. So just at Theo Banoth on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whatever, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, my I don't have a lot to plug except my current focus is I am trying to make more YouTube content this year. So enough people seem to want to talk about some of this stuff, right? Like they want to talk to me about color, you know, you, you want to nerd out about that stuff with me maybe. So I'm going to start trying to put together some content. um, Yeah. That'd be cool. For artist people. And uh, yeah. So follow me on YouTube or subscribe to me <laughs> yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I saw you had a couple a couple of videos up on there and we'll definitely we'll throw that in the description on YouTube and if you're on the audio listening to this one then just look it up on YouTube. It'll come up, yeah. I'm sure. And then uh where can people get is your website where you host all the um prints and and scarves and whatnot? Yeah, you can find that at theobanoth.com. Yep. Cool. And uh, if you want to hear a little bit more, we got the Q&A over on the Patreon. Going to get a little deep onto some community questions from some of my followers as well as Hannah's. So go check that out. And um, with that being said, it was really nice talking to you and I appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks for having me.